I am Emily Lyons. In 2011, without a high school degree and with no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. Since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be utterly lifted and shifted by these people too. All inspiring people are inspired people, so get ready to be inspired. Guys, today I am chatting with my good friend, Spencer Miller. Spencer is an incredibly successful coach, speaker, and actor. Now, when I say incredibly successful, I'm talking working with brilliance across the board with people such as Princess Diana, Nelson Mandela, Prince, the Obamas, Justin Timberlake, GSP, the list goes on. And most recently, helping the Toronto Raptors win the championship. Now, impressive, right? But get this, he's done it all while confined to a wheelchair. He has cerebral palsy, but clearly hasn't let that slow him down for a minute. Listen up. So welcome, Spencer. Thank you very much. I really uh, am glad to be here. (laughs) Well, we've been trying to get together now for a year. So if this is how we make it happen, you know, so be it. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a long time since we've actually seen each other in person. So at least we can actually have more than a five-second conversation, which we are accustomed to by doing. <laughs> yeah. So, Spence, tell us about yourself. Well, you pretty much summed it up extremely well there. I think that was the nicest you've ever said anything about. <laughs> but uh, I've just been motivational speaking and acting for the vast majority of my life, about 26 years. I've traveled the world over working with some of the greatest athletes and entertainers alike. And along the way, motivating different people and meeting interesting people. And you would be considered one of those interesting people that I met because I'm a firm believer in uh, you meet some of the best people in the most random of situations. And our friendship can be defined by a very random situation (laughs) that I'm very happy about, but it was random and I wouldn't change it, but it's funny to think about now. Yeah, it is. So you've done and continue to do so many things. I mean, obviously you've never let your disability hold you back, have you? Except for when it comes to jogging, but outside of that. (laughs) You are quite the comedian, aren't you? So you were born with cerebral palsy, right? Three days after I was born, my lungs collapsed due to lack of oxygen to my brain, which caused some internal bleeding in one part of my brain, um, which then I was in an incubator for nine weeks. And then after that, I was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. But, you know, as far as severity goes, I'm about a three out of 10. I mean, obviously, do I need help with certain things throughout the course of the day and the week and and things like that. Yes. But as you know, being my friend, I can do the vast majority of things for myself. Not to mention the fact that I'm one of the most attractive, charismatic people that I've ever met in my life. I'm also kind of biased. (laughs) (laughs) So when you were the the ambassador for Canada, how did you get into that? So I was picked by the then Prime Minister Brian Mulroney after doing a speech in Canada 
in 1990 and then he came up to me afterwards and said, you know, we need you to represent the country because you're extremely attractive, charismatic, and smart. <laughs> no, I just threw that in there myself. But and that's probably what he was thinking. Like, yes. And of course, when the prime minister asks you to do something, unless his name is Donald Trump, you do it. <laughs> but I digress. And so that's how that started. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And working with the athletes that I've worked with over the years, Roberto Alomar, a Hall of Fame baseball player, is mm-hmm. legitimately one of my best friends in the history of my life. And he was, he's one of the greatest second basemen in the history of the sport and won two World Series back-to-back with the Blue Jays in 92 and 93. And I've been a part of his Hall of Fame induction in both the U.S. and Canada and so on and so forth. And you know my history with the Raptors as well goes pretty far. And uh, we, we've had a couple of fun experiences mm-hmm. at the Raptors games. So basically well. you're you're like essentially a hype man for some of the biggest names in the world. Yes, including Justin Timberlake, as you know, as well. So how do you help these people get inspired? It really depends. But the thing is, and the common denominator is whether you're an athlete or a musician or from the corporate world or, you know, just Joe Schmo down the street. At the end of the day, we are all people and we are all humans. And society puts us all up on different pedestals, depending on what it is that we do in our life. But regardless of who I'm working with at the time, you know, one of the most effective things about me is that I don't care who you are. You could be the Princess Diana, Nelson Mandela, Emily Lyons, or whoever, and I'll just treat you the way that I treat like anybody that I talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that's what has made me so successful is because people know that I come to them with my real thoughts and my real opinions and, and no filter in terms of telling them what I think and what I think needs to improve in certain aspects. And it's been very successful that way. And so with the Raptors, you go into their change room before games and you say a speech to them. Is that what you do? That's correct. And I noticed very quickly that I'm one of the shortest people in the room. room. But that's all right. And, you know, again, these people, uh, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, hockey, whatever, you know, mixed martial arts in the case of George St. Pierre. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're all just a brotherhood and, you know, one of the guys and they know that I have their best interests at heart. And and that's why we get along as well as we do. And So they were recently on a losing streak. So when you go into that to that change room, what kind of stuff would you say to them? What? Get it together, boys. Yes. Get your head in the game. Yeah, more or less, <laughs> but with a lot more vulgarity added to it. <laughs> out of out of this particular situation but yes you you definitely when you go on a losing streak no matter who you're working with you got to change your tactics up and things like that and speaking of which i don't know how much if at all throughout these podcasts yet you have mentioned or talked about your brother but i just want to take a moment and mention the awesomeness 
that is your brother. Oh, thank you so much. In terms of the fact that, you know, we talk about no filters and things like that. Mm -hmm. Let me tell your listeners right now. Okay. Not a lot gets me sort of catches me off guard, if you will. But from the moment that I became friends with Emily shortly after that, I started receiving text messages uh, from from Emily saying, hey, my brother asked me this question about you. Hey, my brother wants to know this. Hey, this. this." He is the most curious person on the planet with zero filter. Yes, absolutely none. Absolutely. But it just comes from pure innocence too. We it does, but it is hilarious and mortifying all of us. Oh my god. It really is. He once asked a client how old he was at an event we had. And when the client told him, he's like, Then why do you have so much gray hair? Yes. But I remember you telling me a story once about at another event, him going up to to the person and being like, How much money do you have? How much money do you make? And he asked me that very same question. (laughs) And then because obviously I have a disability and he has no filter, some of the other questions (laughs) that he has asked me through Emily. And directly. He has your number. He'll text you too. Yes. But if I answer it once, I'm not going to answer it again. (laughs) Uh, He'll ask me uh, like how I can like, go and grab something out of the fridge or how you know oh really yeah one time he asked me how i go to the bathroom because i'm in the chair <laughs> so i guess it, that's, a, that's a yeah have you gotten that question before yes oh you and i've talked about this yeah, i know i remember we talked about the most common question you get yes if it, if it still works yeah. which yes. for the and, record and, it does it does. It works fine. Thank you. Just don't ask me to start running around and whatever. But the funny thing about that, too, is when I first met Emily and we first became friends and we were talking about different things, I said to Emily, quote, I guarantee you that your work colleagues will ask you that question within about five seconds. And she's like, oh, no. It, you know, whatever, whatever. And then mm-hmm. I got like, <laughs> for the next week, I got like, oh, this person just asked me this. Oh, this person just, it's I'm like, see, crazy I, how people wonder if, I guess I they, I know. Yeah. well, too, because I think it was because too, I, I wanted to set you up with a, with a nice girl. So saying, you know, like talking to my colleagues is let's, let's find Spence a great woman. And so they were all, it got them thinking in that general area, you know, like, is he able to? Yeah. Which also leads me to another thing. And, and obviously you never want one thing about Emily is that anybody that knows Emily or anybody that has seen Emily post something on social media or something knows that she is one of the worst people in terms of accepting compliments in the history of life, (laughs) which is ironic. But she is uh, really good at her job and everything that she puts her mind to. Uh, no I matter paid him what. to say all of these things. Yeah, you did, actually. <laughs> you, you, you paid me from the Stratford chocolatier thing that you keep bringing me the boxes. Rio Thompson. Yes. Man, they have those mint chocolate thingies that you bring me. They're like amazing. Awesome. I'm going to get you some for Christmas this year. 
Let's hope so. It'll so, go nice. I mean, even like thinking or talking about that stuff, though, like what are some of the obstacles that you have to, to overcome? Listen, at the end of the day, you know, you would think that 2019, almost into 2020, uh, that we would be getting better as a society as far as acceptance and change and different mm-hmm. things like that. And Toronto is one of the better cities as far as accessibility and uh, different things like that. But it still has a long, long, long way to go. And we've experienced this as a whole in terms of the fact that we want to still uh, get me lined up with an appropriate woman and ride off into the sunset, as it were, and things like that. But unfortunately, people hear the the statement or the phrase, he's in a wheelchair, and their back gets inevitably put up against the wall, no matter what you do to dispel that, and no matter how much of an open book I am, and believe you me, I'm an open book, so I still deal with that all the time, and And it's an unfortunate set of circumstances, but it's what we got to deal with. Why do you think people that deters women? Because Because it's different? Not necessarily because it's different, but because they're not used to, you know, having to go outside the norm in terms of what a relationship requires. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't necessarily easily walk down the street hand in hand and like go for a bike ride or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and people automatically start thinking about that and questioning that and things, even though there's alternative things that we can do that are just as good. People's minds automatically go there. And no matter what year it is that we enter, unfortunately, as a human condition, regardless of how much I tell people, that all my limbs work, all my extremities work fine, thank you. When they think about dating somebody in a wheelchair, even if you sit there and you say, yes, we can have sex and yes, we can do this. <laughs> and th- th- like until it gets right down to it, quite literally in some cases, the, 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 the sheer nervousness uh, because they've never experienced something like that is remarkably high. Mm-hmm. And that would be, yeah, that would be really hard to deal with. Do you find that people still are weird around people with disabilities? Like, do you get people staring at you still? And Yes, man, you and I talked about this in terms of the fact that I still, and it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm on TV too. You know, I have a Netflix show, Designated Survivor, that I'm on. People mm-hmm. need to check that out. With and, Kiefer and, Sutherland. Yes, Mr. 24 himself. But like, you know, people still come up to me and at least once a week I get people who are like, hi, how are you? Do you need anything? And I'm just like, I'm not slow or an idiot. Like, you, you, <laughs> you, you can talk to me normally. So people uh, assume that because you're in a wheelchair that you're mentally challenged. Yes. And I know I should not be saying this especially in the Me Too movement, but I'm going to say it anyways. A couple of times, you know, if an attractive woman comes up and does that to me, just to shut them up, I'll respond with, I'm fine, thank you. If you bend down a little further, I can look directly down your shirt. Thank you very much. I'll shut them up in about five seconds and they walk away. Uh, um, So, you know, there's been multiple occasions where 
I will come back with a quick retort, as you know, just to shut people up because Mm -hmm. it's annoying, you know. And I get those people, I get people who come up to me in grocery stores and restaurants and things, and they're like, hey, aren't you that crippled guy from TV? And I'm like, yes. And I'm like, actually, I'm an actor and my name's Spencer, but thank you very much. And then, and then afterwards, they're like, hey, can I take a picture with you? And I'm like, so you just asked me if I'm that crippled guy from TV and now you want a picture. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that must get you down. And being the person that's, whose job it is to get everybody up and inspired, how do you keep yourself up and inspired? Man, I have my difficult days, mm-hmm. especially now, um, because as you know, uh, we talked about this off air mm-hmm. in terms of the fact that I recently got diagnosed with arthritis of the neck. So because of my friendship with Emily and others over the years being a uh, figurative pain in my neck, now <laughs> it's manifested itself to being an actual literal pain in my uh-huh. neck. Yes. But, uh, you know, we all go through challenges and we all have our things. I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes. And I tell people that all the time. But, you know, you can't focus on the negative. You have to focus on the positive as much as possible. And uh, and that's what I'm doing. You know, one of the things, and you and I talked about this because this annoyed you as well, in terms of the fact that last year, you, during that initial time, that you wanted to hook me up with a nice woman and things like that. You were going through your own sort of list of friends and things like that and sent me like a couple people almost instantaneously and were like, hey, blah, 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 this. And one of your friends was great and we had an amazing initial conversation and then she just disappeared. That's... (laughs) Like, That's that happens to a lot of people, not just people in. No, no, yeah, but, but, but no, I get that. But mm-hmm. like, but like, no, no response, nothing. Yeah. No, the ghosting, like, just complete and utter ghosted. And mm-hmm. I was like, we talked for two hours. It was a great conversation. At no time did I get indicated mm-hmm. that she was not vibing the stuff. Otherwise, you would think that she would have cut it off a lot sooner than two hours into it. I mean, she's not a good friend. She's an acquaintance. I don't talk to her. I haven't talked to her since then. But I know, it pissed you off. It did well piss me off. I mean, there's other ways to do things. But my thought was that maybe she thought she was okay with it and then decide, changed her mind or rekindled something with a flame, an old flame. That's usually, you know... Yeah. Or, you know, they people think something else is better out there. So then they kind of go, so there's a new thing. I think well, it might I, be zombieing. And then totally. they like, they ghost for a while. And then all of a sudden they come by and they're like, hey, <laughs> like nothing's happened. Because they think that it's so common now because yeah. we, we've got dating apps, right? And we can swipe through hundreds of people. People have this mentality that there's always something better out there. So there's ghosting is so much more common now. And then... Okay, they 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 go on and they ghost, and then they realize, hey, that person was pretty cool, and they just yeah. want to resurface, yeah. carry on where they left. But that's not how it works. That's not how you know dating dating works. And I, you know, the one, I had the one, um, the one thing I will say is 
you get a lot of you know different companies attempting to to match make these days uh, because of everybody's busy schedules and people not having time and having bad experiences with dating apps and things. I'm not just saying this because you're my friend, but you're very conscientious in terms of making sure that people don't get screwed over and you surround yourself with a good team of people that help you achieve the optimum best for all of your companies, whether it be the matchmaking company, whether it be uh, your staffing modeling thing or whether whether (laughs) all of the things. I think that's so important. And it's one of the most important things in business and in life is just to surround yourself with the best possible team that shares your vision. And it's just, and working with integrity. I mean, taking on a client that you can't help or promising things that you can't fulfill on. Yeah. You're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. And also, if people don't know this about you, I'm about to make you sort of embarrassed here a little bit. But (laughs) Emily is like the real-life incarnate version of Dr. Doolittle. Because (laughs) if anybody... Never has there been a truer statement. (laughs) Right. If if anybody has seen Emily or or knows Emily or or will get an opportunity to, to meet Emily in the future that is listening to this, one thing you need to know is that she has 97 dogs. Obviously, <laughs> that is an, a gross exaggeration. I wish but, I had 97 dogs. Yeah, but like... Three, and I would have more if I had more space, and one day I will. Hopefully, 97 of them, and also every other animal in the in the world. Yes. My mom actually was t- talking to me this the other day and telling this story. When my, when my sister was young, I was in grade one, she got Make-A-Wish from Make-A-Wish Foundation because of her cystic fibrosis. And she wished for a horse and a horseback riding lessons. So her and I, my mom would take us every week to the farm to do horseback riding lessons. But I would always disappear and they would find me like in random places, like in the goat pen, covered in manure, playing with the baby goats or like climbed up in the hay bales with the farm kittens. Another time I was, I collected up all these toads and frogs and I was chasing around the other girls kissing them. <laughs> but yeah, I know my dream has always been to be surrounded. Ladies and gentlemen, girls. Emily Lyons in a nutshell <laughs> right there. <laughs> I, know, I remember the girls were like, you don't touch the toads, you'll get warts. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is too, is that, you know, one thing that is important to mention in this podcast as well, you've had a very eclectic group so far, and you will continue to have an eclectic group of guests. But for me, uh, it's important that people know that no matter what your situation is, you got to take the cards that you're dealt and legitimately make the best out of every situation. Because if I if I listened to the detractors and the negative people throughout my life, uh, there would be no way that I would have gotten to be as successful as I am and continue to be in today's society. And that's the same that goes with Emily as well. Over the years, she was told a lot of negativity too, but she decided not to let that you know, get to her as much as possible. And I think now, you and I kind of use that as, as fuel. You know? We do. We do. And people will learn that more once your book comes out because your outstanding book with all your different stories and some wonderful, 
wonderful cameos by your friends uh, is coming out soon. And I know that you will be organizing some type of a book tour when that happens. So people will really, Mm -hmm. yeah, will really get a chance to be a lot more relatable to you, even more than they already are with this podcast. And I just want to say that despite the fact that we are good friends and you are one of the worst people to communicate with on the phone in the history of life. I am very proud of you with this success of this podcast and the continued success of all your different vampires, as it were. Thank you. I want to know, what were some of the your favorite people that you've worked with? How many names do you want? <laughs> like, what would be your top three? I'll give you five. I would say Princess Diana would be pretty phenomenal. Uh, I'll give you five. Princess Di, uh, Nelson Mandela, Justin Timberlake, Michael Jackson, and Prince. Wow. What did you think about those allegations against Michael Jackson? Here's the thing. Michael Jackson was a very misunderstood individual. And when you have a domineering father who thrust you into the working spotlight from the age of five, would legit beat you if you didn't rehearse and things like that. That does not lend well to a great upbringing when you're just worried about being a star. Well, not you specifically, but your childhood is inevitably taken away because you have so many other responsibilities. And if you don't follow those responsibilities, your dad will give you a whooping. So I, I believe that, you know, when Michael Jackson was in his 30s and 40s and up until he died, he was very misunderstood because of that and because he didn't really have a childhood and have a chance to grow up and live through normal stuff. And, you know, it has a psychological effect on anybody when you have a father like that. Mm -hmm. Having said that, do I agree with everything he did? Absolutely not. You don't dangle your baby over a balcony in Berlin, and you do not show up to court in pajama pants and dance on the hood of an SUV and things. But I do not believe for one second and this is just my own personal experience i do not believe for one second that he was a quote-unquote molester i just feel as if he was trying to live his childhood in an older version of himself because and it just came off as weird correct Hmm. interesting so what was he like when you knew him awesome One of the things that I tell people all the time is I tell people that uh, one day we we were hanging out and he tried to teach me how to moonwalk. And that's what ended up having me in my wheelchair. (laughs) But he was one of, if not the greatest musical genius that I saw work. And I've been around some musical geniuses and same goes with Prince. Prince was absolutely phenomenal. And Prince was a competitive mofo in terms of the fact that he loved to play ping pong and loved to trash talk the hell out of any of his opponents, including (laughs) myself. (laughs) Well, was there a similarity in in all these people's work ethic? Yes. In order to reach the top, whether your name is Emily Lyons, Michael Jackson, Prince, Justin Timberlake, George St. Pierre, or whoever, we all need to have an innate thing within us that you can't really put a name to but it's a certain level of drive and a certain level of of you know taking our ethic 
and our work ethic to a different level than somebody else that makes us succeed to the level that we do. And, you know, and, and I'm very proud. And I know that you saw this because you liked it the other day on social media is a friend of mine who I introduced you to through a video shout out to yes, Ephraim. Uh, Ephraim, yes. He's going to come on for an episode. Is he really? Yeah. Is he booked? Uh, no, he hasn't booked yet. He said he's going to, but uh, okay, I'll be sure to, to, tr- to trash talk him. Well, absolutely. <laughs> and he's about to um, take on one of the biggest roles, and that is playing the Michael Jackson starting in July on Broadway in the Michael Jackson Broadway show. So I'm mm-hmm. extremely proud of him and excited for him, not to mention the fact coming off a Tony nomination this past mm-hmm. June as playing David Ruffin, one of the members of The Temptations. So, See, uh, I really, really hope those allegations about Michael Jackson aren't true because how tragic would it be if there was, you know, things like an entire musical coming out on somebody that was child sex offender? I know. That would be like if the R. Kelly story was put on Broadway. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. uh, now that I think is 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 a hundred percent true. Hundred percent because like you see how crazy he gets whenever he gets approached about it too. And there's video, you know, evidence. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on to a happier subject. <laughs> so GSP. So people would look at that and they would think probably, how is somebody who has a disability going to coach and train in, in a way, a, a professional athlete, like somebody, a fighter? Because at the end of the day, like I said earlier, we're all human beings mm-hmm. and you know it takes a person like george to look at me for the person that i am he doesn't look at me as the person in the wheelchair mm-hmm. he looks at me as a valuable member of his team mm-hmm. and a valuable friend and we've been friends for a long long time and i talked to you just before we came on the air about a award that i am being hopefully uh, nominated for in April that I cannot mention by name right now because the press release has not come out yet. But if, in fact, that goes through, George is going to induct me and present me with the award because of the level of friendship that we have created over the years. And he just appreciates the way that I look at his ability to fight and the way that I know he thinks and can get into his head. And that really helps. You know, when so I'm, with each person, do you have to do you have to really get into their head and find their own way of thinking? Like there's not one set coaching technique you use for everyone. No, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's different. Like, for instance, if I was motivating Emily Lyons, I would need some Jack Daniels. Other stuff. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> What's the Jack Daniels for? <laughs> to, to put up with you. No. Oh, I was going to say, I don't drink. <laughs> so. But yes, everybody's different. And so you have to find that unique thing that makes them unique mm-hmm. um, and sort of run with it or wheel with it really fast in my case. <laughs> totally. What's What's your favorite part about what you do? Being able to make a difference, yes. whether, it's, uh, whether it's big, small, medium, whatever. 
if I can make some type of a difference in somebody's life or in a corporate setting or, you know, reach two or three people in a talk that I do or whatever, you know, that is more rewarding than anything I uh, I could ever ask for. And you did some work with the Obamas as well, didn't you? That's correct. Okay. What did you do with them? I've spoken with them and for them on multiple different occasions, and they are two absolutely outstanding individuals. Mm-hmm. I would love to meet both of them. They do seem like amazing people. Very, yeah, very well, inspiring. It's yeah. a shame that they're not still there, but that's another <laughs> topic. Well, every time I try and you know introduce you to somebody or something like that, you got 98 things on the go. And uh, unfortunately, uh, um, you know, we're never able to really connect. And when, we, <laughs> and when we do connect, it's like three weeks later and you're like, oh, sorry, I'm just getting this message now. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Uh, <laughs> uh, like you sent me a story of my life. Ago. It's funny because yeah. my staff know that Emily doesn't answer phones. Emily does not answer calls. I hate talking on the phone. Emily doesn't even answer text messages. (laughs) It's, I mean, I do. It's just tough sometimes because you get all these messages coming in and they push down the other ones. And then by the time you remember, it's like two weeks later. You're like, oh yeah, I read that. I opened it. And then I got three other ones and I forgot to get back to the other ones. Right. I know. I'm, I'm. I need to get better with that. Same with my emails. That's, That's all right. You know, it is what it is. It comes part and parcel with being successful. And so how did you get into the acting part? With this face, how could you not? <laughs> it's true. It's yeah. very true. Yes. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It just seemed like a natural transition because I always like being in front of an audience and, you know, get that high off of that. And, you know, I'm good at emoting. And, and so that sort of started my passion of wanting to be on stage to do the acting side of things. And you know, and then started doing some film and, and TV and it led to the Netflix thing. And yeah. Did you audition for Designated Survivor? No, I sat down. Well, I didn't sit down. They sat down with me and I sat down with the creator of the show, David Guggenheim and Kiefer. And we discussed the importance putting somebody in my position of being in a wheelchair mm-hmm. who's actually in a wheelchair, not just playing a guy in a wheelchair mm-hmm. in a predominant role on a predominant television series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we sat there for three hours mapping it out. And then by the end of it, I was on the show. I love that how now, you know, things like the body positivity movement and putting more plus size models and things like that. I'd love to see more disabled models and disabled actors and be put more in the spotlight and on the cover of things. and That's what I'm working on. One barrier at a time. <laughs> I mean, even like when you think about it, like dolls, you don't have disabled dolls, like Barbie dolls or things like that, that there, there, is there's relatable. A lot, there's a lot more coming nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like when you and I were kids, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but mm-hmm. not so much now. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I love where it's going with this and how it's becoming especially, more normal. Especially, especially with the movement of like LGBTQIA and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, no, it is It is really good. I have uh, on my father's side, 
my aunt and my cousins are both lesbians. So it's, I mean, something I've grown up around. Yeah. It's, it's uh, always been very normalized for me. Uh, absolutely. And me too, especially being well, we're around actors and, and theater actors. Mm-hmm. A lot of that. So it's normal for me. And, you know, one of my best friends who I talked to you about, he's been my best friend and my travel partner for a lot of my big work things. His name is Sean and he lives on the West Coast now, but we've been friends for 20 years. I will never, ever, ever forget this story. And I think I told you this uh, when we first met that I was dating somebody at the time and Sean was going to come in and, you know, it was on a gay pride weekend for the pride parade and things like that. And if you've ever been to Toronto for the pride parade and pride week, it's amazing. uh, And it's, it's awesome. And, you know, there's lots of parties and lots of block parties and things like that. And so Sean was coming in and because we have a lot of gay friends, both of us, and we're like, Hey, we're going to go to this block party. And so then I told the person that I was dating at the time, hey, we're yeah, we're going to go to this block party and and things like that. Um, and she's like, I don't want to go. I don't like gay people. And, and I was like, well, that's fine. You don't have to go. We're going to go and whatever. And she, then she quickly changed her mind. I was like, no, no, I'm I'm going. And then so she came and, and spent the afternoon with us as we were getting ready. And it was one of the worst experiences of both of our lives because we could not get a word in edgewise. She would not shut up. And then by the time we went to the block party, she was three sheets to the wind. And during the block party, it was just down the street from my house, but there was only porta potties and for an able-bodied person, a porta potty is hard to manipulate, let alone somebody in a wheelchair. So I needed to use the washroom. And so I turned to Sean and I said, hey, I'm piecing out for a sec. I'll be right back. I'm just going to go use the washroom down the street back at my place. And he's like, yeah, no problem. So I get home and I pick up my phone and I missed 36 calls. Wow. And she called me and said, how could you leave me here with all these people, blah, 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 and all this stuff, come back right now. Needless to say, I'm very thankful to Sean because that brought out her true colors that weekend. Mm -hmm. And I turfed her quicker than anybody I've ever turfed in my life. And the day after that whole situation went down and I turfed her, she called me 96 times. And it was the craziest thing that I have ever, well, not the craziest, but one of the craziest things I've experienced as far as dating. And and Sean and I reminisce about that. And we're like, how crazy was she? Yeah. What another stage five clinger. (laughs) She was a a stage five something. I'm not sure if it was a clinger. I don't get how people just don't like, you know, how they can just put a blanket statement over like, I don't like these type of people. It's like, they're all so different. How can you just, you know, it's like saying, I don't like blondes. I don't think I've ever met a guy that says I've never liked blondes. (laughs) It's not that she doesn't like gay people. It's that she's an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. The best was, and Sean and I talk about this too, is that like the next morning, 
when she came back to get the rest of her stuff and leave before she called me 96 times that day, she like is yelling at me while I'm in my room, like getting ready and, and things like that. And she's like, who's going to put your shoes on for you now? And who's going to plug in your phone? And I'm like, either I'm going to do it or I have an assistant that'll help me with that. And she's like, but they can't do it properly. I'm like, they were doing it properly before you came and they'll do it properly after you leave to get the yeah. It's an yeah. awful thing for her to say, trying to say like, you need me to survive to take That's care correct. of you. Yeah. How bizarre. If there was one thing you would want people to change their opinion on disabled people, what would you want that to be? Don't go into a situation blind in terms of the fact that a lot of people think that just because you're in a wheelchair, you're in one big disability pot. We're not all the same. Mm -hmm. You know, come up to a disabled person, whether it's me or or somebody else, your brother Mm -hmm. or somebody, talk to them and evaluate for yourself their level of quote-unquote disability and once you have taken a couple minutes to do that and evaluate that then take that information that you now have and approach the situation accordingly mm-hmm. to a given situation mm-hmm. and when you say approach the situation you mean how you treat them yes like you know it's like i said to you earlier on in the conversation don't come up to me and naturally be like, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. Can I get like, Okay, so I get what you're saying. So first see if they are differently mentally abled and yes. then if you need to talk to them in a different way, but don't just assume, yeah, because you can see a physical disability that they need to be treated differently because Correct. going, Correct. treating Do- them all the same and see yes. and make an educated decision if you need to treat them differently, but Correct. otherwise what- just treat everyone the same. Correct. And like, uh, you know, and I say this lovingly, you know, and for those of you who are going to meet Chris, Emily's brother at some point, uh, make sure you uh, have some type of like whiskey or something, because if you don't, it may come as a shock (laughs) to your system. He is going to interrogate you. Yes. (laughs) He most certainly is. By the end of the conversation, he's going to know where you grew up, what your mother's name was, what you had for breakfast, what the last time you were sexually active. And yeah. Oh my God. He was at the office the one day and one of the girls in the office was saying that she was going on a date that night. And he asked, oh, who are you going on a date with? And she said, oh, her name is so-and-so. And he said, it's a girl? You're going out with a girl? And I mean, this is a guy who lives in a small town still, Stratford, for the most part. I thought his head was going to blow off his body. You're a girl. So how'd you meet this girl? And I just knew the questions were going to be a flood in. So how'd you meet this girl? And, and, And so you're a lesbian? And how long have you been a lesbian? And did you always know you were a lesbian? And where are you guys going? And do you like her? Do you love her? <laughs> I was like, oh, can I, can I just say? I was like, not I appropriate just, office talk. Yeah, let's move forward. <laughs> can, I, can I just say that still to this day, and Emily and I have talked about this ever since, you know, I met Chris and continued to get the questions, both from Emily and Chris, courtesy of Chris. But we decided that at some point, for our sheer enjoyment that we are going to take him 
to a strip club locally. <laughs> and that is something that I still extremely want to do because just the questions. Oh my gosh. He would just be, yeah, he would just want to be asking them all kinds of questions. Yes. And and again, like I said. So does your mom and dad know you do this? Yes. <laughs> yes. And he'd be like, are your boobs real? If they are, can I feel them? Like, No, he would be way too shy to ask that, I think. But like, don't get me wrong. Again, I'm saying this. I love Emily's brother and I will always love Emily's brother. But he is one of the more entertaining people that I have ever come across in my life just because of the sheer magnitude of variety of stuff that you get from him at any given time. Before this interview, he came into Emily's office briefly and twerked both of us for a couple months. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> that he did. Yes. So, okay. Before we end, overcoming obstacles. Yes. You were faced with an obstacle and obviously you overcome that and you're faced with obstacles daily. What is your biggest tips for overcoming obstacles? Believe in yourself. Believe in your ability. Surround yourself with a unbelievably eclectically good group of people that will go to the wall for you and back and mm-hmm. you will do the same for them and just continue forward. Because if you have a constant belief in what you can accomplish, you will accomplish that. And hopefully along the way, your friend who owns a matchmaking company will <laughs> we'll take care up. of the marriage part. Yes. Uh, I think that, yeah, we, we, we focus too much on the obstacles too often instead of the solutions. You know, we, we see all these things in front of us and we do the reasons Um, why we can't do things. Right. And at the end of the day, it's good to be scared and we have every right to be scared of some of these obstacles, but we need to face them head on despite us being nervous and scared and tackle them the best way we know how And like I said, you need to surround yourself with a good group of people who understand you and support you no matter what and believe in yourself. Because if you lose the belief in yourself, you're pretty much cooked. What if you don't have that belief in yourself? Find it. And the way you find it is, you know, surround yourself with those people that can be extra encouraging to you. and Maybe they see it when you don't. Correct. And at the same time, if that doesn't help, you can always like, you know, read certain books and find certain authors mm-hmm. or podcasts. Yes, absolutely. All great advice. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Spence. It was wonderful chatting with you. And for those listening, you can find more about him on Twitter at Spencer is Fresh or follow him on Instagram at the Spencer Miller.